Recorded live in a positively parky downtown Newtown, this is Rancho Notorious, a podcast about movies and other cool stuff. You can find this and all the other episodes of the show at funeralsandsnakes.net forward slash Rancho Notorious. Pumps from across the room as we manage to launch the show on take one, ladies and gentlemen. Are probably a first for this year, I would say. Welcome, everybody, to Season 3, Episode 2 of Rancho Notorious. I'm Dan Slevin, and here with me in Wellington, New Zealand, is Kaylee Carruthers. Hello. Welcome. Nice to have you here. Um, joining us tonight uh, on the couch, the Rancho couch, we have old friend of the show, Rudy Tavares, uh, known on Twitter as Rudy6. Rudy, welcome to Rancho Notorious. Hola, listeners. <laughs> Rudy, you've been a, a friend of the show for a very, very long time, uh, from when it was the other show that we don't name. <laughs> and uh, you, actually, you actually appeared on our special live in Auckland show. Yep, yeah. two years ago. Yeah, Stop two. it. Was it that long ago? Yeah. Is it two or three? No, two years ago. So, yeah. Yes. It, well, it was, it was an epic event. We, went, we took that show on tour to the Winter Gardens at the Civic Theatre and, uh, and we did, the sh- did the show, much as we are doing it right now, but in front of a live audience. We, yep. need, we need to talk to someone about doing that again. Yeah, well, you know who people to talk boss. to. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Also, uh, we have with us on the line from Honganui. In good. The, thank you. In the uh, in the central part of New Zealand, we have Mike Dickerson. Mike, welcome to Rancho Notorious. It's wonderful to be almost there. And uh, and Mike, you're gonna you're here specifically to uh, to help us out with uh, one of our film reviews um, a little bit later on in the show. But um, feel free to chip in with. Uh, your wisdom whenever the the mood takes you you know don't, don't oh. feel just because you can't make eye contact or wave your arms in front of us doesn't mean that you can't just uh, speak up yeah I never seem to have that problem <laughs> um, Mike you are the uh, curator of natural history at Whanganui Regional Museum correct that's right yeah well good good I, last 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 week I got the job title wrong for the guest so trying to trying to remedy that by doing you know the the basic amounts of research um and you are going to be helping us uh with our discussion of the biggest movie in the world at the moment jurassic world which uh, we'll be talking about a little bit later on also on today's show uh, we're going to discuss the uh, spanish thriller marshland and uh conversation may go in all sorts of other directions depending on uh you know, we've got four people here, all with strong opinions. It's um, it could go anywhere. Before we start, Kaylee, you have the mailbag in front of you. I do. My favorite part of the show. Um, starting out with, I mean, this is this is less than a week of mailbag um, because of you know traveling through time and recording a little bit early this week. Um, but it's still a very full mailbag, so thank you, everyone. Uh, the Merca tweets, I love Rancho Podcast, but the fact that you've got the Cheyenne retiring on the tweeter appearing just steps it up another level. Can't wait. Yeah, and uh, so I didn't even know that uh, Rebecca, our guest from last week, w- had a Twitter handle. Yes, so on she, the tweeter. Yeah. She's very proud. <laughs> <laughs> 
so there you go. Um, and uh, if you're wondering what we're talking about, if you're still, uh, if you if you've just joined us on the show, last week's show was all about uh, San Andreas, uh, Dwayne Johnson's earthquake movie, and uh, we had Rebecca Goodby here as our sort of expert guest on emergency management, and uh, um, it's a very good show. You should check it out. Mm-hmm. Darren Bevan tweeted us some amazing uh, Jurassic Park puns because he's really good at them. Um, talk in a conversation which you can catch up on uh, on our Twitter handle. Funnily, funnily enough, it as in Jurassic World got a Raptorous response. Everywhere else, it was Dynamite. He is the king of dad puns, isn't he? He is. Great dad puns. Yeah, Great and it, puns. it's about time we had him back on the show. So, Darren, if you're if you're listening, uh, you, your your time will come again. Maybe we should go to him. Maybe we should just well, be like house the, party. That's the that, that is the plan. I, I, you know, I, I, we should have a Rancho Notorious bus with with the couch <laughs> in it, oh. and we should just drive around and uh, and park up in in people's carports. That'd be great. Yeah, do the show on the bus. That is, that would be li- like living my dream. Like the Partridge Family. Yeah. Yeah, but with better sure- theme music. <laughs> yeah, let's just make sure that we have fiber, you know, <laughs> in whatever we go. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Simon Buckenberg says two word review for Fitzcarraldo, King Kinski. Film 150 for the year was a treat. Electric performance by the greatest. 150 films. And we are only just over, no, we're not even halfway through the year. Mm. That's mm-hmm. an excellent effort. Much, be- much better than my effort this year. I have been constrained. Mm. Fred Thompson's two-word review for Jurassic World. Toothy reboot, lacking in human elements with the dinosaur slash visuals being the real star. Good fun. Sweet. Well, we shall we shall find out later on. Yes, and uh, we did ask on the last show um, about Netflix to tell us Netflix New Zealand specifically, mm. tell us how it is, what's going on. Um, and Siobhan tweeted us back saying, "Netflix selection have really enjoyed their doco section so far. Lots to keep me entertained, and quality is great, but could also be because we've just got new TV. Netflix free for six months. That's a that's an excellent deal. It's it's a justification, I think, for for." Um, buying a new TV, um, and I, you know, you, you get the impression that Netflix is incredibly successful in their household because she was watching something when she was tweeting it at like four o'clock this afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> and the Dedicated. yes, and I believe the thing she was watching was The Big Lebowski, and her two-word review is Perfect Wednesday. Mm. Um, Mike, do they have Netflix in Honganui yet? Netflix may well have uh, made its way to Whanganui, but I don't even have a television, so it's hard for me to say. I have to go to the movies either at the local film society on Monday nights or to an actual movie theatre, which can be a traumatic experience. (laughs) You can use Netflix in your laptop. Yeah, I probably can. I should give it a go. I should give it a go. I I tend to watch non-theatre movies by what um, a New York Times reviewer once described very delicately as occult means. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yes, I think it would be worth my while to start paying an honest dollar for what I watch. So, I'm keen. I, I was a Netflix user in the U.S., back when it was uh, DVDs by mail. I remember those days. Yeah, and it was fantastic. It's still. Yeah. It's still, yeah. yeah. Well, those, and those, so discs are, different now. those discs um, presumably still play, you know. Mm. Yeah. I understand that the DVD can still play, yes. Yeah. <laughs> if, it's a, if it's a new movie, you get it on the mail in a Blu-ray or a DVD. 
But if it's not, then you, you know, mm. you just need to wait. Mm. We we have a United States uh, Netflix account here, and we have noticed that um, the picture quality and the streaming quality is not as reliable as it once was and i think that that would have something to do with the number of local netflix users that there are now it just um, and, we, and we're in one of those buildings that um isn't going to get uh, fiber or um uh, ultra fast broadband until 2017 or something and so it's you know it's adsl fast um and i don't know it's it, it can only get worse <laughs> can't it it's it's just oh, we're gonna we're gonna end up with sort of watching trying to watch our 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 online services like premier league pass or uh, netflix or whatever at weird times of the day to try and avoid peak time because peak time just will be unwatchable particularly as there's so many people also um watching uh on demand just just local tv tv and z mm. on demand or, or whatever so um we, we we're coming up to a kind of crunch point in terms of um infrastructure aren't we Mm-hmm. Well, not me. We've got fibre in Whanganui, and I have it here, so I should give it a go. Gosh, you should. Yeah. <laughs> you should try. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move all to Whanganui. <laughs> and oh, so was that? Was that? that that's our beautiful mailbag. A Excellent. selection. Of all right. Um, so now it's time to have a look at what people have been <laughs> watching around the world. This is um, every we- week. It's the same, and yet I still forget <laughs> <laughs> what's exactly. going on. Um, now, I don't think there's going to be any great surprise here in, in terms of the uh, the stats. This is one of those rare times in the movie world where box office statistics actually break into the mainstream news, you know, so that I, I actually got an email from uh, one of the producers at Radio New Zealand who looks after the show that I do movie reviews for, um, asking, making sure that tomorrow, on tomorrow's show, that I review Jurassic World because it's really important that we review films that you know people actually want to watch and so uh like like i don't do that the rest of the time but uh sure enough yes that 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 information about uh jurassic world's box office has filtered through to even people who don't pay that much attention Mm. right it's a a spoiler isn't it Um, so in at number five, all the way up from eight is Noble in third week of release. See, that must mean that there's been some uh, good word of mouth. Mm. And that Tomorrowland is dropping. <laughs> like a stone. Yeah. Um, in at four, all the way down from two, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. In at three, down from one, San Andreas. In two, up from three, is Spy. So people are clearly Again. listening to the, our podcast. Yes, indeed. Word of mouth. <laughs> um, very strong on Spy. Yes. And obviously, in the number one position, taking home nearly two and a half million dollars this week alone, Jurassic World. And th- Yeah, well, this is actually only the weekend. weekend. Yeah, because we're recording on a Wednesday. The week hasn't actually finished. So the, so, so the, our stats are... Um, not necessarily complete for the week, but definitely last weekend. Mm. Uh, nearly two and a half million bucks for Jurassic World. At and 90 locations on 136 screens. And um, by all accounts, uh, the, the internationally, the split of 3D versus 2D on Jurassic World has been absolutely monstrous if that's the word in favor of 3d like it we mm. we had thought that 3d was slowly fading out um often it was hard to find screens at, at uh, playing it in 3d at times that you would want and all of a sudden 3d is now very much back on the table 
Uh, I have a question, Kylie. Um, did they, um, the Jurassic World, did they break the record or weekend, opening weekend against world? I mean, the US? World, worldwide, yeah, mm. yes, and we're going to come to this. Oh, uh, right. Sorry. <laughs> we're just not there yet. We're just not there yet. Now, uh, we'll get to um, our cousins across the ditch. Their weekend uh, resembles this in, in very uh, similarly, shall we say, although they've still got women in gold in their top ten, which is interesting. Um, number five, Mad Max Fury Road. Number four, San Andreas. Number three, Spy. But this is, and we found this last week, that Entourage is uh, it's just doing gangbusters business in Australia. Uh, number two... Same as last week. Number uh, two. I know. Six million Australian dollars uh, that are worth nearly as ma many as New Zealand dollars. And th it's and yet uh, in New Zealand, where are we? Entourage, number 10, down from five. So we this is a, a, a perplexing state of affairs for Entourage fans, of which we have at least one here in the studio. Um, so maybe because I haven't seen it, Kaylee, uh, you haven't seen it. Dr. Mike, have you seen uh, Entourage? Has that been uh playing at your local? I haven't seen the film. Yeah. Are you familiar with the? Uh, with I the am. I am familiar with the TV show. So. Through your occult uh, downloading, or uh, uh, yes, yes, yes. Right. Um, now, Rudy, you're an expert. You're a big fan of Entourage. You said earlier before we came to air that it was like well, your favorite TV show. Ever. It is pretty much the favorite TV show. All right. So, how does the film measure up? Does it satisfy? Just saying, I've I've seen the whole TV show eight times. Wow. Yeah. Just how many seasons is that? Eight. Eight seasons, eight times. That's like 64 million. This is a lot of time. <laughs> it goes through. I always start just on Christmas and finish around June. And um, I loved it. It's fantastic. So I think the movie was just, they, what I read, it's, um, they didn't, didn't couldn't afford make another season because it was quite expensive. I don't know why, because none of the, none of the, actors are really you know that expensive but because the show was quite popular they couldn't afford you know having for a whole season so they decided to do a movie which is like a packed a season packed in a movie right so uh, like in terms of story in terms of what happened yeah mm. um i think the movie it's pretty much for someone who's being familiar with the show they know the jokes they know you know the the where they let related to and jobs that they're doing and you know characters they've been through the season is it is it, i read somebody said that it was it was like the male equivalent of sex in the city that it, you know if you if you've lived with those characters for a long time you really you, you want to see what happens to them next exactly do that, they mature do they go to Abu Dhabi, which is what happened in the Sex and the City? No, they did. They, right. did they still exactly the same. They didn't mature. They feel like they're 25 when they started. So, yeah, it's exact. It's just another season, pretty much, and just with more money and a little more production than the last ones. You can see it through the seasons how it's more money involved. And the first season was Jessica Alba, the guest. Last season was James Cameron. So, yeah. so um, because uh, you're the only one here that's uh, seen it, you're going to be the only one who has to do two words. <laughs> and you remember this. Look at that face. Um, <clears throat> um, they can be Spanish words if you want, if that's easier. Let's say... Um, <laughs> Wow, um, I can't, can't think of anything. That's right. Can come, I go back? Can I go we'll, back? Yeah, no, yeah. we'll come back to you. We'll, okay, we'll definitely yeah. come back to you. Okay, thanks. Um, so you just edit it in, like you just thought of it. Like that. 
Yeah, that's work. Um, and so number two, Entourage in Australia, number one, Jurassic World, 16 million Australian dollars. And uh, the United States of North America. North America, thank you. Um, in at number five, Pitch Perfect 2. Now, it was announced this week. Mm. Pitch Perfect 3 is going ahead. I am not impressed. Where can and they so ta- I tweeted where about Where can it. they possibly take that story? I guess it could be more racist and sexist. They anyway, could, yeah. in at number four, Insidious Chapter 3. Yeah, in at talked number, about that one last week. Yes. In at number three, San Andreas. Yeah. In at number two is Spy. And number one, obviously, Jurassic World. The weekend, $208.8 million. And uh, that is the biggest opening weekend uh, in the US ever. It's done over half a billion dollars in uh, internationally, which is the biggest opening weekend internationally ever. Um, apparently, it's already made more money than all of the... Jurassic Park sequels so far put together and by the end of this week it's estimated that it will have made more money than Jurassic Park did in its entire Well there's more people on the planet now aren't there (laughs) Yeah So (laughs) Which brings us to um, I guess the the next uh, topic of conversation so let's hear a little bit of of, of this dinosaur um, mania and then we'll, we will dissect it. Every time we've unveiled a new attraction, attendance has spiked. That was awesome. Corporate felt genetic modification would up the wow factor. They're dinosaurs. Wow enough. She was designed to be bigger than the T-Rex. What happened to the sibling? She ate it. We have an asset out of containment. What is that? Her tracking implant. She clawed it out. How would it know to do that? She remembered where they put it in. Jurassic World. It's been a long time between dinosaur drinks, hasn't it? Uh, you know, the, the surely the success of this film has uh, got as much to do with um, how long they made us wait as much as the quality of the film itself. Um, I'm going to ask Kaylee to just give us a little bit of a um, plot summary. All I can picture are Chris Pratt's bulging arm muscles right now. Anyway, I digress. So, Jurassic World, it's present day, but maybe a little bit in the future, because stuff's a little bit futuristic. Um, They've reopened the park. It is now called Jurassic World. It is a booming industry but they they need more money from investors and what's going to bring in money from investors new dinosaurs so they they breed a new dinosaur and all hell breaks loose yeah and uh and chris pratt uh the who we will uh, know from the uh guardians of the galaxy film <gasps> last year he's and, and the lego he was the voice in the lego movie and so this is now the third <laughs> <laughs> The, his, fanned right now. his third <laughs> massive um, box office smash mm. hit. He's, 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 isn't he wearing like the same costume from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? No, 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 no. He's wearing a leather vest in this one, not a leather jacket. Oh, okay. Right. And he's clothed the whole time, which really, 
I feel a bit ripped off. But <laughs> well, there's, there's going to be more. Don't you worry about that. Um, so uh, he plays an uh, an ex like a Navy SEAL sort of heart, like a he, he's hmm? Marine. Isn't that the Marine? Yeah, oh, I thought he, he was from the he Navy. He's ex-Navy, yeah. Oh, ex-Navy, okay. Yeah, he is ex, he's ex-Navy, and uh, but he's uh, got some uh, zoological skills in terms of being able to uh, work with whisper, animals. Whisper yeah. to raptors, let's just yeah, put it out there. Yeah, he's the raptor whisperer. Um, and so <laughs> he, he's the only, he's, he appears to be the only person in the park that sees uh, these creatures as uh, uh Individual, except for a, a very underused Omar Sy. Oh, yeah, mm. that's true. Yep. yep, exactly. So, uh, and, and of course, when all heck breaks loose, um, he is uh, brought in because not only does he have the uh, talking to the animals skills, but he has the uh, military tacti- tactical skills as well. And he's basically the only person with any kind of practical um, appreciation of anything on the entire island. Mm. It seems to me. Mm. Because yes. he fixes his own motorbike, yeah, and yeah. so <laughs> that's true. That's how we know he's going to save the world because he's fixing his English, motorbike. English made, yeah, yeah. So um, we we're, we're all familiar with the world of uh, of Jurassic Park. Uh, it got re released a couple of years ago in three D. So that yes, re- which I watched on the weekend to prepare. Mm-hmm. Oh. You did research. I did my mm. research at home. We watched Jurassic Park three D. It was glorious. So. Um, maybe uh, Rudy, I'll, th- I'll, th- I'll throw this one to you. Uh, just the, your impressions of the of the film. What what do you think worked and what what didn't work for you? I think it worked very well. It just um, you know new generations, nineteen ninety three, two thousand and fifteen. So it's a new new generation. So obviously a lot of money. But for all of us that we watch um, Jurassic Park in nineteen ninety three, but you done because you didn't did you watch the original? Because I remember you confess once. Yeah, I I. I didn't see it when it came out, but I did see it in, on the re-release. So okay. um, I, I, I don't have this over overarching sort of nostalgia for it that a lot of people have. I would say just um, the dream that as a little kid you have is to that was that was him, you know, like have raptors and they li- they actually listen to you, they protect you, they you know they you send them over and they come back and. That's the dream that you have when you're a little kid and play with dinosaurs, mm. right? So they, I think they did very well with so many things. The movie's fantastic, but they cannot give that first 1993 impression as a little kid, mm. you know, and see a dinosaur in a screen. And it even knows that, doesn't it? It knows that uh, that you can't you can't recreate that same first impression and so um there are uh there are lots of sequences of um there's there's 20,000 people on this on this island uh, on this uh, this resort um and they're sitting in monorails or they're wandering around and they're looking at dinosaurs and they're kind of bored it's like yeah they're just dinosaurs We've seen, you know, and it's it's old hat, which is sort of exactly how we as an audience approach the film. It's like, okay, come and surprise me, and you know, and and in the story, that's what that's what they do, and it's a case of be careful what you wish for, isn't it, um, Mike? You, um, first of all, uh, you also, ha- I mean, apart from your scientific background, you're also in charge of, um, you know, of of. Uh, 
a tourist attraction in Whanganui. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, were there any lessons there that you thought you could pick up in terms of uh, um, maybe how to attract more people and, and not have them eaten? <laughs> yeah, we try not to let visitors get eaten. That, uh, that tends to lower the numbers in the return visits. And we always, so the return visitor, that's the most profitable customer. <laughs> so the, it, was, it was actually amazing the, the, to see the horrific vision of a Disney World dinosaur attraction where an incredibly tacky with themed restaurants and, and ghastly 3D interactives and touch screens everywhere. It's like like the worst things that are happening in the world of museums taken to an amazing extreme to the point where the kids are rushing in to push buttons and twiddle um, touch screens when there's actual live dinosaurs outside. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a lovely day, but no, they'd rather sit inside and and poke with the holographic dinosaur interactives, um, and it's it's just it's almost a parody of, of of a modern museum and of a of a Disney World experience. So yeah, it was kind of bizarre to see that and, and and to think that yes this is where the profession seems to be going. Isn't it brilliant that also that they managed to time the release for this film? At this, at, in exactly the same week as all those wild animals escaped from the Tbilisi Zoo, <laughs> because of uh, because of the flooding, and it was like, man, you couldn't buy that. Oh. You know, this yeah. is a totally plausible um, scenario now. Mm, mm. Oh, of course, yeah, absolutely plausible in every way, <laughs> uh, and yeah. And this is the thing: as I, I, I'm a paleontologist, so and there's been a lot of discussion amongst paleontologists on the web and on Twitter about, you know, what should we think about this movie? Um, and it's very easy to do to do to, to rag into it and say, look, the dinosaurs are like 25 years out of date. They've got there, there should be feathers on all of the theropods and the T. Rexes and the Velociraptors, and the the pterosaurs are there. They're trying they're picking people up and carrying them away, and the, the way only they only weigh half as much as the people they're supposed to be carrying, and la 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 la. That scene was so sad. Non- sort of all sorts of nonsense going on like that, and. Um, and you could say, oh, it's not realistic. Well, you know, it's a movie set in a dinosaur theme park. So I guess there's a sort of, it's not like saying that, that, that you know, Benedict Cumberbatch did a bad job of playing Alan Turing and, and misrepresented the character. Mm. That's, that, that's, that's a different sort of non-realism. Well, when you've got a dinosaur theme park in the future, okay, you've got, you know, you, you, you cut him a bit of slack. And they give themselves outs in the script. So, they do, oh, yeah. But they- Michael, like the, the the first film. I mean, and, and actually Michael Crichton's uh, entire oeuvre, mm. you know, was kind of founded on the fact that he did his scientific yeah. research, right? And Is that- he did. Yes. See, here's the difference. There's big differences between Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. I was thinking about this. They are fundamentally opposite in philosophy and the fundamentally different films. Whereas Jurassic Park. And 93 represented what was basically the cutting edge of science, right? It showed these warm-blooded, fast-moving, active dinosaurs, completely different from the, from the dinosaurs that I grew up with as a kid, um, running around, even being intelligent and learning how to open doors, being clever girls, you know, that sort of thing. So it was, it was showing cutting-edge uh, science. Um, it inspired a whole generation of paleontologists, judging by the discussions on Twitter, the number of people that went into science and studied dinosaurs because of that movie. It's pretty large. And the heroes of the movie of Jurassic Park were scientists. They were paleontologists, and they used science to solve problems and get out of trouble. 
learning how to distract a tyrannosaur and hacking eunuchs and, you know, using mirrors to, to <laughs> fault the velociraptors. And, you know, so they, were, they, they solved the problems with science. And, and even, they were the good guys. And even the founder of Jurassic Park, you know, is this benevolent old chap who just wants to, loves dinosaurs and loves science, just wants to entertain people. And when you get to Jurassic World 20-odd years later, the hero is the opposite of a scientist. The hero is like a scruffy, motorcycle-riding, badass, macho man who has uh, uh, got an intuitive kind of natural connection with animals and he whispers to them. And strokes them. Strokes them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas the scientists are these guys in the lab who are doing nothing but following orders and cooking up genetic mutants and they're the bad guys now. So actually the film has become like a parable against why we shouldn't be doing this sort of thing, why we shouldn't be doing nasty genetic engineering and boo-hoo. Whereas the first film was like, it had this sense of wonder to it, like, isn't this amazing? We've brought dinosaurs back. Much of the film was just walking through and looking at dinosaurs, you know, up close. So the second film, the, instead of the scientists being the heroes, they're the villains. And the problems are solved not by doing science, but by riding a motorcycle and shooting guns and being macho. And the poor... There's a, there is a sort of a nerd figure hero, the poor guy in the control room, whose name I don't even recall, the geek who has his plastic dinosaurs that Chris Pratt just sort of swipes aside one day out of frustration, you know, and who doesn't get the girl, sorry, spoiler, um, you know, who gets to sort of tidy up after everyone else. He's the, he's the sort of scientist paleontology figure in this film. I felt quite sorry for him because he was actually one of the most interesting characters and had some of the, some of the best dialogue. So it was actually, I, I was thinking that these are two really different films. And, and just so, just focusing on like, oh, the dinosaurs don't have feathers, they're all grey and wrinkly and they're like 1980s dinosaurs before we learned all the amazing stuff that we've learned in the last quarter century about dinosaurs. You know, I mean, it's, it's a sad missed opportunity that the film didn't bother to you know, update its dinosaurs and make them, because uh, we're learning the dinosaurs were even cooler than we thought they could possibly be. Um, that They've really missed, they missed a trick there. Uh, but that's not the uh, that's that's not the the, the big beef. The, the big mm. beef is, is like, is this going to inspire a generation of of kids to study science and paleontology or not? I, I don't know. I was going to ask you what what, what in fact, and, and maybe everybody else in the room, what, you know, what 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 are kids going to be inspired to do as a result of of Jurassic World? Go into actually at five hundred million bucks for the opening weekend, I would imagine they'll go into making films about dinosaurs. <laughs> what I would be inspired to yeah, do. Yeah. It seems, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's definitely valorizing it. it, it it's probably playing into uh, sort of anti-science or uh, suspicious of GE uh, current. They must have focus grouped the heck out of this. So what they've done is they've, they've obviously tapped into some feeling of the audience that you know, this is this, that science and bringing things back from extinction is, is bad and evil and is just doomed to cause disaster. Um, um, it, and it's also sad that, you know, there's the positive side of it is that we can 
fight over how we're going to control these things and use them as hunting dogs or weapons or or, or are they just there to help us make money? Uh, you know, it seemed like a really sad thing. And there's almost nobody seemed really interested in the dinosaurs as dinosaurs anymore, as amazing things. Except, Except for, for macho, macho man Chris Pratt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's the only one that seems to have any sort of respect. Yeah, but even but even he lights a few up, doesn't he? You yeah, know, yeah. when the when the yeah when blows them away, and, <laughs> and he's got his little clicker. So his his thing is that how can we control them and tame them? Um, mm. uh, uh, Kaylee, I want to come to you now because there's been uh, a lot of discussion online about the female characters mm. and. Mm. Um, I've character singular. Oh well, no, because there's an, there is there's another there's one. one there's another one who gets eaten. Oh, and there's a third one. Come on, there are several. There are several women. They don't actually have conversations <laughs> with each other. But that's true. Are, that's true. There's the that's there. right. There's the there's the control room woman who. Uh, oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah who yeah. Um, has great. a boyfriend? Every, and every time I see her in something, I'm like, oh, you're so great. You're so cute. Um, there's the there's the PA uh, who is is oh, supposed geez. to look after Ugh. yeah but who gets who gets eaten in a quite spoiler. a spoiler yeah <laughs> it is a spoiler you but, can uh, see it coming yeah, exactly um, and uh, and uh, Bryce of Dallas Howard yes yeah. right yes. Um, as the basically the chief executive the boss of the park who is so extremely focused on money money and uh, visitor satisfaction and sponsorship that she can't even spend time with her two nephews who are visiting the park and who through through whose eyes we see all of these adventures basically now this is another thing is that weren't, weren't in the original Jurassic Park weren't uh, the two little a boy and a and a girl, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So you know, apart from the fact that 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 um, the two boys could sort of, I mean, there was a, there's a kind of teen, there's an age gap, so there's that sort of going on between. But why wouldn't you make one of those a girl? Like, why would you have? Like, I don't it, it was so the older one could oogle at all the the teenage girls at the park. Hmm. That was his role. And to be the older brother and be like, you know, male bonding. You know, that's always good. It's nice to have a little like Yeah, because we brother, don't get nearly bonding. enough of that in films nowadays. No. And, but, I mean, yay Bryce Dallas Howard being in feature films. But, boo, she runs at full tilt most of the time in stilettos. And walks through fields in stilettos. And is completely fine. Um, and, and, at, and at one well, point, skill. And at one point she takes her blouse off. And no, tie, she doesn't. Tie, well, no, she, no, no, to she, tie it around herself in yes. order to prove that she's ready for whatever outdoorsiness. But it was which, great that which, that was made into a joke. Hmm. It's like, which my partner points out is actually an allusion to the first movie where Laura Dern does the same thing. Yeah. And she's an action woman and she ties her shirt in front of herself. So, right. well, that's and, and actually, I, I was reading an article today, which we'll put in the show notes, which uh, listed a great many of the uh, the Easter eggs in this film that are there that, are a lot, yeah, and and and, yeah. and of course that one was one that I didn't didn't pick up. So, I, okay, I I withdraw that particular accusation, but um, <laughs> it seems uh, you know for the first sort of half an hour of the film, I was thinking to myself, well, you know, at least. They've made a woman the boss of this thing, you know? Yeah, but then her whole thing is just being, like, being sad that she doesn't have kids and then realising she wants kids. Like, what the hell is that? And she's a crap boss as well. It's like, how, in in what way is this a remotely... uh, Are we turning to sexist? 
Yeah, or I think we, yeah. I think we probably are. She is. Yeah, she just needs Chris Pratt to show the error of her ways, and you know, st- teach her to be less stuffy and career obsessed and like kids more. You know. Yeah, and and actually, this is a, a you know apart from the the perhaps the 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 underlying sort of scientific hubris of the uh, of the film. Mm. The other message of the film is that if you uh, have a family and are beloved by your family and beloved them in return, then uh, chances are you'll survive a massive uh, dinosaur disaster. But if you uh, don't, and if you're constantly looking at your cell phone and worrying about uh, your career, then you will be eaten by the dinosaurs. You see, and this is the thing, is that even Chris Pratt, who has no relationships with like human beings, he has his family, which are the raptors, you see. So family is the strand that sort of is like... R- elevates you above the nastiness and danger mm. Mm. which is you know a kind of about about as old-fashioned and conservative uh, message as you can get out of a film really and going back to um mike's comment about scientists being evil one of the greatest parts of this film is that the scientist is my all-time favorite scientist of tv and movie bd wong I was so excited that he was back for this one because he was also, you know, the head of the lab in Jurassic Park. Oh, but he's right. turned he's turned cynical and, you know, there's a like there's a he's he's there's a dark side to him now. But yeah, but it left me Jurassic World left me with so many questions. And my questions were it's like, are some of those dinosaurs from the original Jurassic Park? And they just went back to the island and like sort of fenced them in with their magical fences. How did B.D. Wong escape from Jurassic Park? What did like has he been at Jurassic Park this whole time, secretly a, keeping the dinosaurs alive? Feed, What's going that's on? Feeding them the goats. That's, yeah. a, that's actually a really interesting point, is that because you, you, the implication of the finale is that the T. Rex that we meet is the same. Yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah spoilers. Exactly. There's a T-Rex. Yeah, well, well I mean, it's not a huge. Spoiler, yeah, because it was sort of like old, like an old saggy T-Rex, and I was like, "Is that the original T-Rex? Can you just like stroll back onto that island and like put the T-Rex to the with side a, with and be a like really, really long electrical pole?" And that was the whole thing with like in Jurassic Park, where it's like, "Oh no, it's safe because." You know, if humans left, they wouldn't get enough lysine or something, and they they need the lysine to stay alive. And I was like, has B.D. Wong been doing lysine drops to keep the T. Rex alive all these t- these years? Like, what? Maybe, maybe. Well, I have so um, many questions, and I, read, I want answers. I read that, he, that, that T. Rex, because now that you say there's a T. Rex there, um, there's probably I mean, one more. Um, it's probably the last, the only actual dinosaur, the only actual dinosaur in the movie. Right, the only actual, the only non um, uh, genetically exactly. engineered. Ah. Right, right, because that's something else that BD Wong says is, oh, you know, we've been doing this for years. You just didn't know anything. You just didn't know. Where has he been running his secret dinosaur lab? <laughs> well, he was doing all those episodes. To, obviously, everything's neatly lined up for the sequel, as they carefully rescued embryos and put him on a helicopter. So, yeah. Everything's ready to go. You would think they would learn after a few years, wouldn't they? Um, that uh, how not to do this and how inevitably when you this is four movies in, I presume it's ignoring the last two because otherwise this would be the fourth time they've tried to set up a dinosaur theme park and everything's gone to hell. <laughs> you know, and you think their their insurance bills and their health and safety regulations would have really kicked in by now, mm. but but no. Well, that's Costa Rica. I mean, 
I'm from a third world. I'm from a third world, so I can I know yeah, yeah, what, how it works. Yeah. Look, for all of for all of our problems, uh, and we have uh, we've come up with quite a few here. Mm. I still enjoyed it. Yes, I did too. Oh, it was great fun. It was, <laughs> it was great, great fun. I highly recommend going and seeing this film. Um, and if you want to get all those the little Easter eggs, watch Jurassic Park if, at least a few days in advance so you have time to recover. But it's, mm. yeah. Um, I know that Dan probably will like me a little bit more after I'm going to say this, after I say these, but I actually, I think I enjoyed, I enjoyed better than Avengers 2. I think so. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. It, it's big thing coming from me. That's a big thing. In the same thought, that little kid was a little kid in Iron Man 3. Just saying. Oh, is that right? He mm. was. Yes. He was. Uh. Wow, that's his college paid for. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Um, so, oh, yeah, it is It is an enjoyable ride. It it didn't feel as long as it was. Like, we, when, when the lights went up at the end, we looked at our, at our watches and went, really? It was that long? But it didn't feel like it and um it 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 seemed to be like colin trevorrow the director um obviously he's no spielberg because you know there's a there's a um a kind of wisdom that spielberg has when he's putting these things together that nobody else seems to be able to come up with but he's pretty effective and he's pretty good at honoring the honoring the past pushing it into the future and and unlike a lot of uh current action movies it didn't i mean it was only in the really violent stuff that it sort of lost its way in terms of cutting too fast or not really knowing what was going on and it's but it's stronger in the in the character area and stronger in the narrative stuff and then i, I actually found the action stuff it was like yeah i don't really know what's going on here just get on with it like, just get to the end get to the end of, the, of that sequence and get us back to characters which is um you know not a bad not a bad outcome um we're going to do two words now Unless anybody else has a particularly, I just want to say I've, in in the morning now, what I was getting ready, I've listened to this um, entertainment um, show, and they say that um, Chris Pat was interviewed in the radio in LA, and they asked him if he'd rather be Sam Neill in you know the character. Do you guys hear this? No, no, no. So if you've rather been um, him in as a character, Doctor, what's what was his character name, Doctor? Oh, I don't know. I can't yeah. remember. It. But it was Alan Grant, I think. Yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So he rather be him or Beyonce, and he said Beyonce, <laughs> and everybody laughed because he, everybody thought he was joking about. It. But um, no, he said like I'm not joking. I think she's very successful, and I'd rather be her. That just piece of useless information. Sorry. <laughs> I think that that says a lot about the modern world that we live in. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That hand cut is looking more and more attractive um, all the time. So, uh, can we go around the room? Uh, two words for Jurassic World. I'm going to do a hyphenated word. Nah. Um, spurred by the puns read earlier. Dynonamic. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, well done. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> um, mine's are exciting pulse. And uh, Dr. Mike. I'm going to use a hyphen. Thrill-packed scientophobia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Beautiful. And my two are backwards evolution. Reese, I may need to tweet you to get clarification on spellings. <laughs> That's okay. She's uh, she, she knows, knows how to get hold. Yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> exactly. does. Exactly. All right. Um, well done, everybody. I think we've covered uh, covered that off. Uh, and and. 
um, it's, this is actually one of those uh, one of the few films I've seen this year that I'm kind of would be quite happy to um, sit through again. You know, mm. there hasn't been true of, of yeah. many. But oh, I want to go see Jurassic Park again. I my feeling is that I wasn't going to enjoy Jurassic Park more, particularly with the practical effects rather than all the CGI. <gasps> oh, the practical effects are so great. There would have I been, think it's actually a better film. There would have been some practical effects and like, uh, surely some of, they built some animatronic heads, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. yeah, because, mm-hmm. yeah so it wasn't entirely bereft of yeah. uh, of those, but yes, you're right. The, 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 that it was a Stan Winston, wasn't it, and who would have done those um, practical effects in the first Jurassic mm. Park? Um, yeah, a, a master. Anyway, time for some news. Excellent. Now, before I do the ends of headlines, mm. when is this coming out? <laughs> uh, we're going to uh, Friday. This Friday. This Friday. This Friday. Okay, yeah. excellent. Yeah. Um, so we can't keep people waiting. They can just stack no. it up in their in their podcast queues. I mean, who knows when we, when they're going to listen to it? Yeah, exactly. You know, I still I still look at the stats for uh, the other podcast that we used to do, and that's getting like three hundred plus downloads a month, and we haven't done it for like nearly two for over two years. That's crazy. What? Yeah. It's a little bit out of date now. Just a little. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So the ends. So the ends of news for people here in the room will be under embargo. Uh-huh. But for those listening, you'll already know it. <laughs> Exciting times about time travel. So big ends of news this week was the con announcement. Seventeen titles were added to the ends of program. That's like the entire con film festival. Yeah. Uh, almost <laughs> not all of it um, if only you could bring the day. sunshine and the and the, <laughs> the uh, champagne <laughs> and just keep the high heels away because you know you can't wear high heels away. yes exactly um, so adding to Amy and Dope the previously announced titles that were also at Con, there is The Assassin which people have been hanging out for very excited um, so glad we can talk about having this film now along with the brand new Testament which has um Catherine Deneuve in it, which the stills look hilarious. Can't wait to see it. And Yakuza Apocalypse. And the title is much longer than that, but I can't remember off the top of my head, um, are a few of the highlights of that. For all of the information, you can go to nzf.co.nz. Does, the, does, this, does this announcement that's going to happen yesterday <laughs> um, include the lobster? It does include the lobster, yes. Am I allowed to talk about it now? Hold it. <laughs> oh, Hold okay. So I'm not even. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna acknowledge that I've seen it. No, no. that was not a thing that happened. No, definitely wasn't. <sighs> um, <laughs> but yeah, lots of huge titles um, in the announcement. So yeah, have um, a read through. And uh, also um, uh, announced. Prior to us recording, was uh, the, the, there's going to be screenings of Inherent Vice. Yes. Which was a film that we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for here in New Zealand. Uh, was going to be on the commercial release schedule and then got pulled. And then uh, nobody really knew what was going to happen to it and whether we were going to ever get a chance to see it on the big screen. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, because... <laughs> it, it, was, it was pulled based on early reviews... Um, at, in the US and it, it was n- let me clarify for all of our listeners it was not an end of holdback and it's like we liked it so much we want to make sure people see it in New Zealand so please don't think that these titles are holdbacks it's, that's not how it works <laughs> they just 
blaze ahead with whatever they want to release these days. But, but I'm guessing that there may be an element of holding back a home video release once you expressed an interest or, or... Sometimes that happens and then sometimes they forget and things get released to home video and then they're no longer in the festival. Right. <laughs> Either way, um, we're very glad uh, yes. that it's happening, particularly as I, I, as I would imagine that it's going to be screening on the, uh, the Civic screen and at the embassy and at the embassy in Wellington fantastic glorious. It's, a, it's a wonderful film so excellent oh how yeah. and how might you know that how might i know that indeed indeed i'm sure it will look even better on a gigantic screen so i will definitely go yes and uh ex machina as well was another early announcement mm. we have which um was you know toing and froing in the release in the release schedule as well so thankfully we will see that glorious screen and the screenings with lots lots of other um Cinephiles. So basically what you're saying is that it's kind of pure opportunism on the part of the festival rather than a grand plan. Is that how, it's, is that how it works now? Yeah, a, yeah, a lot of the times. I'm like, we, uh, you know, it's like, want it, it's always that, that swings and roundabouts. You know, we want to get every title from Cannes, but we can't because some other festivals in Toronto get them first. And so, you know, we can't get them because they have holds on them at other festivals. Um, things get pulled from the release schedule for whatever reason and are destined for home video. But we're like, no, no, we want people to see it. It's going to be great. Um, so it is. And that's the great thing about having the festival in New Zealand. It is that big mix of sort of things you thought would be on general would be more general release that actually get into the festival and, you know, things that really surprise you that come into the festival and New Zealand films and it's all... It's all yeah, just and, 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 and things like the, the Sydney Film Festival that had the, the new uh, Sherlock Holmes film, which everybody knows is going to come out on general mm. release. Um, but it just it's just a way to launch um, a film. And, mm. and the New Zealand Festival has their share of, of those titles, obviously. Mm. But... Um, you know, a film like that, Ian McKellen, Mr. Holmes, that you would not imagine that taking a place in the New Zealand Film Festival mm. for whatever, for any reason, really. Mm. Yes. Um, and for listeners who are wondering, the Auckland program goes live online Monday night at 7 p.m. And the print program is available on Tuesday. Wellington's program goes online on Thursday evening about 7 p.m. from 7 p.m. I should say, just in case there are any issues. Um, <laughs> so just keep calm. And the print program will be available from Friday. So you have only in Auckland, you just have the weekend to wait. In Wellington, you have about a week to wait, and then it's all there in front of you. And other regions will follow in July. Yeah, and we um, got our invitations to the Wellington program launch, which is next Thursday, which is when we would normally be recording the show. So uh, we've decided. I've decided. Well, you can't be here anyway because no. you've, you've got to be at the you've got to be at the event. So I've decided we'll just cancel next week and we'll go to the party. Good times. Yeah. Cool. Good. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So lots of lots of con titles have been announced. I don't know them off the top of my head. They're all secreted away where I can't just read them on my phone. <laughs> so I'm doing the best I can, people. Anyway. Yeah. It's great. We love it. Moving on. Notwithstanding those announcements, the best news of the week is that Mad Max Fury Road stunt, stunt people who doubled for Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron just got married to each other. Oh, it's adorable. So That's super adorable. Yes. <laughs> and they're both. Are they? One's a kiwi. They're both kiwis. Well, I didn't read the rest of the story. Oh, I just I read think, the headline. I think there's a kiwi connection there. And the saddest news of the week was hearing of the death of Sir Christopher Lee at the age of ninety-three. 
Yeah. And, and also, hmm. I can see a new Sir John Hurt as well. He's passed yeah. away. No, he didn't pass away. No, because no, that Daniel, headline was... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we, we just, just pre- kill just, him. Just pre- pre-announced, pre-announced that. No, no, that headline uh, is, is Sir John Hurt diagnosed with cancer, which Pancreatic is, uh, cancer. Yeah, which is yes. what happened uh, this afternoon. Although he's very confident that he's going to beat it and it's going to continue to work. He's just basically just okay. said, just, you know, just think just the by the by, this is happening. And um, by the way, you know, nobody change anything. I'm going to carry on working. Don't any, he doesn't want anyone to stop giving him work. God. Sorry. Good on him. Sir Hurt. I didn't mean to That's all right. Um, yeah, but you banned from his friends list. Yeah. Um, this Mexican it, beer it, is strong. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got Mexican beer from Mexico uh, for tonight's show. So thank you, Rudy, for, uh, for bringing the supplies. Pleasure. Um, now, uh, it's time to go to another uh, Latin country uh, to investigate uh, some ugly crimes. Estrella tiene 16 años. Carmen tiene 15. Su padre es el barquero de la isla. Viven a unos 3 kilómetros por carretera. La noche que desaparecieron volvieron andando de la feria. Una vecina las vio subirse a un coche. Fue la última persona que las vio. Este sitio se traga a la gente. Un día estás hasta que de repente desapareces. Rudy, I'm going to throw this one to you. Marshland, it's a, a Spanish crime drama investigative sort of whodunity thing uh, set in the 1970s. Rudy, you've seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. Phew, thank goodness. I was, <laughs> I was looking yeah. at you going... Do you guys, do you guys have seen it? I have. I yeah. have not. Okay. No, it's not here. Not Has not made it made it. It will. It's good. Yeah, it's good. It'll I mean, get it's, there eventually. It's good. It's funny because um, I would just... We just w- recently started watching a TV show called True Detective, and mm. we just finished the first season, and it's really similar. It's it really is, similar. isn't it? I mean, it is basically. I mean, it's the, in fact, if we were going to give people advice, it would be it's just like True Detective, only a quarter of the length. Yep. Which is a and which is a great advantage. Let me tell you. It's in Spain. Mm-hmm. It's in the early eighties, I think. Mm-hmm. Just after after Franco, late seventies, just right after Franco. So there's still a lot of hangover from the from the uh, dictatorship period, and and nobody really knows who who was on whose side back in those days. And yet uh, everyone's supposed to be getting along now. I think it would um, it worked very well. I'm very interested in the movies that they're based in a different era. So um, I really like all the art design and the art direction and. I think they did very well in terms of, you know, little details and small and all the culture and the fra- post-Franco kind of thinking. And um, it's always, you know, watching a, a film that is Spanish-speaking and then you you kind of get to read a little bit of the translation. Starting for the title, you know, it's totally... The title, it's um, La Isla Minima, which is like the tiny island kind of thing. It's yeah. much land. But in, in terms of... It, throw this back into all the Latin cultures and you know what happened in those little towns and I'll be su- I wouldn't be surprised that even Mexico or any other countries that will happen those little towns with you know vintage is coming so you know let's let's everything the patties and the little girls wants to move away and work and this so. there's a there's a there's a a, a vibe of uh, corruption running through the entire 
community, isn't there? And and very much like that first season of True Detective, it's uh, that the, the further they investigate that corruption, the higher up the social order uh, it, it it becomes. The the crimes that they're investigating, these two cops. Uh, um, with their with their sort of early eighties moustaches, um, the the crimes are, are pretty heinous crimes. They're horrible crimes against women, and 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 you know often when I when 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 these sorts of things turn up in films, I I worry that they're going to be just exploitative. You know that, uh, and yet I think what the, these filmmakers have done is they've just tried to find the 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 crimes that are going to offend our sensibilities the the most you know uh, and certainly uh, they did that um, another thing I really liked about this film in fact uh, the first thing I liked about this film was the opening titles they're just absolutely fantastic um, the overhead uh, photography of this um, of this region and it takes a long time for you to work out what it is you're actually uh, looking at. This is like just a, like a direct sort of um, overhead shot of the of the marshlands themselves, and it's, it takes a while for you to realise, oh, that's a boat. And then you get you know, and, and and it sort of works its way around. It's like a kind of Florida, Florida Keys sort of arrangement, isn't it? Very yeah. swampy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, it's it's very very sty- uh, stylish. It's very uh, thoughtful. The performances are. Terrific. Um, the, I it just the, almost the only problem I have with it is the fact that it seemed it coming on the on the heels of True Detective. It feels kind of derivative, but I'm sure it's not. You know, it's I'm sure it was thought of beforehand. I think it's um if because you know we watch it little me and my partner, we, you know, literally in the same week, and we I feel like I think probably True Detective has slightly more budget, and they were able to do it, and it was the nineties. Detecting was in the mid '90s, so it was easier to, you know, easier adopt. to recreate. Yeah. yeah, and these guys were probably slower, lower budget, but um, it's really they did very well. And I, I really appreciated how well they layered the the political scene through the um, through the film. So it wasn't just a crime movie. Everybody seemed to have uh, secrets. Everybody seemed to have uh, yeah something to hide, and uh, it, it makes for a, a terrific uh, a terrific film experience. Have you got two words that you can sum up Marshlands? With? I do. Um, killer detective. Mm-hmm. My two for Marshland are layered thriller. And uh, that is the last of the reviews for tonight's show. Um, looking at the, uh, the the clock, I think that that must mean we're approaching uh, the end of this particular episode. We need a gong. We do need a gong. It's the smell of roast lamb coming from the other room oh. that's... Um, <laughs> It's a te- yes, please. <laughs> distracting me, I have to say. Um, that is our show for this fortnight. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back in three weeks. Uh, we're going to take next week, which was the show that this was supposed to be off. It's very confusing, but trust us. Um, and that show in three weeks' time is going to be our New Zealand International Film Festival special preview. And uh, Hopefully we're going to have some special guests uh, to talk about that program, because none of it will be embargoed at that point. We'll yes. be able to talk about it all in its and in I'll have richness. A printed, I'll have a printed booklet so I won't forget film titles. <laughs> and directors and actors, all of that stuff. Yes. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode of the show, you can subscribe to us at funeralsandsnakes.net forward slash Rancho Notorious where you'll find ways to communicate with 
us via email or make a comment. You'll have heard the mailbag earlier on in the show. There's lots of ways for you to talk to us. Yes, you can follow us on Twitter at Rancho Podcast. That's R-A-N-C-H-O Podcast, all one word, where we like to tweet th- about things we think are interesting or, you know, making fun of stuff. And you can interact with us on Letterboxd, too, thanks to the lovely Reese Pie. Our username is Rancho Notorious, all one word. The show is a Funerals and Snakes production. Season 3 is executive produced by Robert Cato, Random Films, Claire Coray, Mark Kuby, Anthony S. Pratt, Fred Thompson, and Matthew Buchanan. The theme music is Ennio Morricone's The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly by Loz Plantronics. You can buy that at the iTunes store, and we recommend you do, because it's always cool when the theme music to this show shows up on shuffle and you're reminded of how much you enjoy us. Um, it makes perfect sense. Uh, we're going to play you out some more music. It makes perfect sense that the most popular iTunes track from the Jurassic World soundtrack is the one that features the biggest helping of John Williams' wonderful original score uh, for Jurassic Park, which I've been humming to myself ever since. I have since. to listen to that multiple times It sticks times in your head, day. doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It, can't, it leaks through the floor into the NZF office from the embassy. <laughs> so catchy. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I think it's probably my favourite John Williams Spielberg uh, collaboration so uh, anyway um, we're, we're not going to buck that trend we're going to play the track that everybody on iTunes appears to be loving at the moment it's called Welcome to Jurassic World credited to Michael uh, Giacchino who seems to be the guy you go to when you want to do a score that has to incorporate um, bits of a, a famous well-known theme mm. tune like that he did the Star Trek uh, mm. reboot mm. music which did a fantastic job of incorporating Alexander Courage's original theme anyway so you're listening to that in the background right now thanks to Dr. Mike Dickerson for helping us out with the dinosaurs Dr. Mike have a fantastic rest of your week I will indeed lovely to be here as usual and next time uh, come to Wellington and we'll feed you Oh, yum. <laughs> Thanks to our studio guest, Rudy Tavares, for filling in the gaps on a few films that uh, we, uh, Katie and I, haven't seen and for helping us out with Marshland, uh, which I hope all of you listening are going to seek out whenever it comes to your town. Um, bravos to my swell partner, Karen, who makes sure that everyone who visits here at Rancho Notorious is well-fed, well-watered, very well-looked after. And once again, thanks to Kaylee. Thanks to you all for listening. We're off for dinner, so that's good evening from me, Dan Slevin. And good evening from me, Kaylee. And good evening from me, Rudy. And from me.